Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm not really ready, but should we just do this? Should we just do this? I'm not really like, yeah, let's just do it. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Let's just do this. Let's just get this going. This isn't. This isn't rocket science here. This is a podcast. What's up, everybody? Just getting going. I'm ready mentally, ready physically for this. Um, just hanging out. What's up, Bob Brink? Welcome back, dude. Welcome back. Just setting some stuff up here, getting everything ready here in the studio. Studio A, back here in New York. And uh, yeah, getting ready. Got a lens cap for my camera. Not going to use that. Had to get that out of the way, though. Had to get that off my keyboard. I don't know why that's on my keyboard. But thanks for stopping by, everybody. I know I haven't done um, a lot of live shows lately. I've been trying to get resettled in the Northeast. So I apologize for that. And I hope uh, everything's going well with you guys. And you stick around and hang out and hit the subscribe button if you're not subscribed. And also hit the thumbs up if you haven't yet, just so we can boost the signal of the show because it's going to be happening um more so you know we're going to be doing more live shows and all that stuff more videos and the more you guys like the videos easier it is for youtube to pick up on them and we have to get the signal out so we can show the world starship sls we can show them super heavy show them all the cool stuff that's happening in space flight because i'm super pumped about it so if you can just give this a like that'd be really great what's up space baller how you doing Hope everyone's doing great out there too. That's not Spaceballer, but thanks, Spaceballer, for chiming in in the chat. Okay, here we go. Let's talk about some SLS stuff real quick. Uh, this is pretty cool, actually. I want to show you this. I gotta, I gotta kind of rearrange some stuff here, and then we'll start doing this thing. NASA has SLS back on the pad, which is the Artemis One program. Uh, it's back on the pad, and the wet dress rehearsal will be happening soon. So let's take a look at what NASA Kennedy Space Center has to say about that. The next Artemis wet dress rehearsal attempt is targeted for no earlier than June 19th. And this kind of coincides with something else that's going on with SpaceX. Because it's it's all happening really, really fast. right? So like the SLS stuff, the Artemis stuff, and also Starship stuff is all kind of happening in June, July, August, like this summer might be possibly the most insane summer of space flight that's happened in a really long time because you're going to have some Falcon Heavy stuff going on. Uh, there's four flights coming up, actually. Yeah, I think it's four flights coming up at the end of this year. And Artemis is going to be ready soon. And also Starship is going to be in the picture as well, hopefully. If all goes well with the FAA and all goes well with their systems, it could be an incredible, like crazy, crazy time for spaceflight this summer and going into late, um, you know, late summer of this year. So we have some predictions, you know, future predictions for Starship. And 
just from the stuff that I know from actually being next to Starship and being near there and living 20 minutes away from there, I have some predictions of when everything's going to happen um, and what needs to be done and stuff. So I'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. But for right now, let's talk about some SLS, the Mega Rocket, the Artemis program. Next wet dress rehearsal attempt no earlier than June 19th. What is that? That's 11 days away. No early in the, earlier than 11 days. We'd have to check the systems before they do the wet dress rehearsal. Make sure all the pipes work. Make sure all the tubing works. Make sure all the suppression systems work. This is basically like they're, they're setting this thing up for, you know, basically flight, but without the flight. So everything that's included in the flight of a SLS rocket, the Space Launch System rocket. They're doing everything for the wet dress rehearsal, getting everything prepared, and then they're just not pushing the button to let it go. That's pretty much it. And then they're going to check out all the systems, make sure everything works fine. And then from there, they're going to basically get it ready again. You know, if it's on the pad and it's ready and it passes the wet dress rehearsal, then they can either see if they want to do another wet dress rehearsal, basically load it back up with the propellant, load it back up with fuel, load it back up with cryo, get it ready to go. And then from there, it, there's a possibility that they do it again just to make sure they're going to, re, you know, they got to run their countdown clock. They're going to do everything with that. They're, and then they're going to recycle it too. They're going to demonstrate the ability to recycle the countdown clock, which is even though those things seem sort of trivial, the countdown clock is very important because those systems are in place in order to tell the rocket what to do, when to go, when to launch, what, you know, everything, all the systems in place. So they have to demonstrate the ability to recycle the countdown clock because if something does kind of go off a little bit, if something's a little bit weird, they have to make sure that all the systems are in place to kind of mitigate those circumstances. So they're going to conduct a full launch countdown at this. And I want to check out this video, by the way. This is how big SLS is. This is how big the rocket is. It is huge. It's going down an elevator at the VAMP, at the Vehicle Assembly Building. This is, you know, it's going at a decent clip. You're at the top of the SLS right now. And just look at how long it takes for this thing to go down, by the way. This is insane. This is insanely huge. You're in an elevator. Closing this thing, you're not even to the actual propellant tanks yet. Look at this thing. Look at this, how big this is, by the way. I'm so excited about this, and it's so cool. It's so, so cool. Etsy Davis, thank you so much. I don't know if you get a starship. Uh, what's up, KJ? How you doing? Welcome, everybody. If you're not here, make sure to hit that like button. Maybe we can get 420 or 42,069 likes on this video. Um, you'll see that throughout the show, but look at how long this takes. NC Davis, you're amazing Four booster landings. Please. Let's see if we can get that for you. I hope I set that up. Let's get this going. There we go. We'll get you, at least get you a couple here. We'll get, get you a bunch. There we go. Thank you so much. NC Davis. Thank you for supporting the show and supporting my journey into space flight through the last three and a half years, basically. Uh, very cool, man. Very cool. We're just going to wait through this. And then we're going to get some starships for NC Davis. We're going to wait through this video. Look at how long this takes. This is a pretty decently fast elevator, too. 
you know, how is that possible? How's that even possible? I mean, this thing is gigantic, 300 plus feet tall, almost 400 feet tall altogether, you know, with the, with the, uh, launch platform and everything. It is huge. And you don't realize how big these things are until you're actually there. So that's why I included this video today of just going down this elevator and how big it actually is, because you can see a person next to it. Right. But then you don't see how actually like big, big it is because you just see kind of like a little tiny person. And then you can kind of be like, okay, that's pretty big. But if you see it from the top to the bottom in the elevator, you're like, oh, dang. Okay. I see this. This is huge. Etsy Davis, I think we're at like six rocket launches now. Look at that. And then you have the, um, the transporter right there at the bottom with the tank treads. Look at that. Right at the bottom there. All the way down from top to bottom. Absolutely insane. Very cool. Etsy Davis, thank you so much again for the super chat. $4. Four booster landings. There you go. Then we got little extra here. <laughs> got a little extra. Let's go up a little bit. <laughs> Let's go up. How about you go down, then you go up. This is how big this thing is. It's insane. It's insanely huge. So the uh, the Artemis program, if you will, um, they're readying it for another wet dress rehearsal. Engineers will conduct a final test known as the WDR, the wet dress rehearsal of the space launch system, the Orion spacecraft in the exploration ground systems before Artemis one will launch at pad 39B at Kennedy Space Center in Florida. Uh, the rehearsal will run the Artemis one launch team through operations to load propellant into the rockets, uh, conduct a full launch countdown, demonstrate the ability to recycle the countdown clock, and also drain the tanks to give them an opportunity to practice the timelines and procedures they will use during the launch cycle. Because if something were to go wrong, so this is the thing with these gigantic rockets, anything is possible. So if something were to go wrong, they need to be able to drain the tanks immediately. They need to just reset everything immediately, get all that propellant out of there, because if they don't get it out of there in time, if something were to catastrophically happen, bye-bye rocket. It rides. It, it it immediately goes. This show is brought to you by Backblaze. I use Backblaze to back up my podcast, my video files, all of my writing stuff and all my photos. And you get unlimited computer backup for Macs and PCs for just $7 a month. You can back up your own documents, photos, videos, drawings, projects, all of your data and access your backed up data from anywhere in the world using the web app. And you can access the files on your mobile too. iOS, Android apps, all covered. And this is the cool part. This is my favorite part. You can restore it by mail. A hard drive will come to your house with all your data shipped to your door. It could come to your business too. And you can restore return refund program. So you can buy a hard drive restore, send the hard drive back within 30 days and get a full refund. So basically they ship you this hard drive and then you ship it back and you don't ever pay for it, which is the perfect program for somebody who has huge files and you don't want to waste days and days downloading terabytes and teraflops of data. And if you're worried about accidentally deleting your files, two bucks extra a month, you can increase your retention history to one year. And I use it for all of my video files. It comes in super handy. So $7 plus $2, $9 a month, and you get everything backed up. Ease of mind for up to a year. And if you use the URL backblaze.com slash Elon, you get a fully featured 15 day, no credit card required 
free trial. Check it out. Play with it. Start protecting yourself from potential bad times. Back your stuff up. It's recommended by the New York Times, Inc., Macworld, PC World, LifeWire, Wired, Tom's Guide, 9to5Mac, and more. And it's recently been listed on the NASDAQ Stock Exchange under BLZE, so you know they're legit. Backblaze is committed more than ever to bringing easy and affordable data storage that you can trust. Don't be that person that forgot to back up their important files. We've got your back. Sign up for a free 15-day trial. No credit card required. Go there, sign up, play with it. It's really powerful and is really easy to use. So go to backblaze.com slash Elon. Backblaze.com slash Elon. Backblaze.com slash Elon. Bye-bye. And billions of dollars go down the drain and they have to start over again. The Artemis 2 is a little bit of different con configuration from Artemis 1. So they'd have to restart with Artemis 2. Kind of That's a backup plan. If Artemis 1, something happens on the pad and it ruds, or if it ruds in the air, Artemis 2 can take over from where Artemis 1 rutted. So it's going to be a two-day test, though. Um, and this is what's going to happen. They're going to be activating the facilities. I'm reading this off. like I have some notes over here, so if you see me glancing over here, that's why, because I can't remember all this stuff. It's just it's immense amounts of information. Um, they'll be activating the facilities for the launch and beginning the countdown sequence. They'll, they'll also staff the um, control center as well. So there's a bunch of people, hundreds of people that are involved in this process. So the command center, the Kennedy Space Center, um, it is intense what they're doing with Artemis 1. It's the biggest rocket that NASA has ever flown. And it will be, if it launches before Starship, the biggest rocket that will ever fly. And once Starship launches, though, this thing is, you know, it, it, it's in the same league. It's a super heavy rocket. There's no, like, what's better or what's worse. You know, they both do the job, right? So um, they have to staff this place up, though. So they go through all those settings. They go through everything. They, they put everybody... It basically, it's a dress rehearsal for a movie, you know, but they do it instead of a movie, you know, reading a script and all that stuff, you know, and you talk to your friends and talk to your your um, other actors and stuff. But instead of that, it's for a rocket, the biggest rocket that will ever fly if it flies before Starship, of course. So this is an, this is an insane thing that they're doing. Uh, so they're going to be um, connecting staff at the Mission Control Center in NASA, Johnson Space Center in Houston, Space Force Eastern Range in the SLS Engineering Support Center at Marshall Space Flight Center in Huntsville, Alabama. So it's not just happening at the pad, it's happening all over the United States. Uh, launch controllers will power on different rocket and spacecraft systems along with ground support equipment for this crazy wet dress rehearsal. Now, if it happens, June 16th, they could possibly launch sometime this summer, um, August, September, probably more, more so in September, I'm assuming late, late August, um, early September. I'm thinking, let me, there's a, um, there's a chart that I didn't bring up, unfortunately, um, but I know it. I know where it is, so I can find it real quick. Um, give me a second here.
for the launch opportunities of Artemis One um, mission availability. Here we go. Um, July 26th through August 10th, 13 launch opportunities. August 23rd through September 6th. Let's check this out. I'll, I'll show you guys this real quick. Uh, let me go back to this other thing too, by the by. Yeah, let's do this. And then we'll go back here. Then we'll go like this. Mission availability. So let's go down this list here, just so I can show you guys this. Um, July 26th through August 10th, 13 launch opportunities. No launch availability on the 1st, 2nd, and 6th. August 23rd through the 6th of September, preliminary. Uh, so we could start July 26th, but I'm assuming it's going to be in August, uh, August 23rd through September 6th, just because there's just so much to do after this wet dress rehearsal. It's basically a full reset after the wet dress rehearsal, getting all the systems ready. There's 12 launch opportunities between August 23rd and September 6th. August 30th, 31st, and September 1st, not going to work. September 20th, so they have a little break here. So September 6th uh, to the 20th, they have a 14-day um, period there where they're not going to do it until October 4th, 14 launch opportunities, um, October 17th through October 31st, 11 launch opportunities. And then November 12th through November 27th, 12 launch opportunities. And in December 2, 11 opportunities. December 9th through the 23rd. How cool would it be if they launched it on the 23rd of December? Sort of like a um, like a Christmas thing. I think that'd be pretty sweet. But, you know, you never know, really. You know, there's... Um, there's a lot to uh, there's a lot to do in between the wet dress rehearsal and the actual launch, so there's a t there's a ton more for them to do uh, for the on this rocket, and we'll see. Like that's pretty much where we're at right now. Like we'll we'll see what they do, but if they get through the wet dress rehearsal, we're in a good spot. So you know, Artemis mission. Hopefully it works out well. Hopefully it works out well, and hopefully the wet dress rehearsal works out well. Um, no earlier than June 19th. And when they do the wet dress rehearsal, I'm hoping to uh, to have a live stream from NASA for that. So hopefully we're going to have that. And then we're going to have a countdown um, between now and then. We're going to have a live stream countdown where commentary, etc. through probably starting... Um, what day is today? Let me see. Where's my phone? I don't even know where my phone is. It's the 8th. So probably... Um, probably start since it's not the 19th probably start like the 15th or something we'll do a countdown show and i uh, get everybody ready for that get everyone pumped up about the artemis program because like you know people like to choose sides uh, like they like they like to be on one side or another and this is kind of a funny thing because it's like sure i love spacex i think they do insanely cool stuff i also love nasa the hat i bought a nasa hat um i love sls uh, starship Falcon Heavy, ULA, all of it. I love all space play. So people like to pick sides. And I really hope that the SLS can kind of be like, okay, we can do this all together. We don't all have to be fighting all the time. Like, dude, come on, get over yourself. If you think SpaceX is better than NASA, that's fine. That's fine. You can think SpaceX is better than NASA in so many regards. And I would agree with you in a lot of, a lot of ways that SpaceX is working faster and cheaper than NASA. Uh, iterating Starship at such a breakneck pace. It's insanely cool. But also, the Artemis program is going to sort of set the groundwork for 
future human spaceflight and also future humans working in space. So working together, like SpaceX and NASA are going to be working together. So there's no real reason to fight. You know what I'm saying? Like SpaceX and NASA, they're buddies. So why would we pick a side or why would you pick a side and kind of like pick a team when those people aren't fighting anyway? <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, yeah, SpaceX is doing things better than NASA, but NASA doing might be doing some stuff better than SpaceX. You just, I mean, they sent some people to the moon. They got to be pretty credible about this stuff, you know? Come on. So all I'm saying is it can be everything. It can be both. Uh, Elon said four Falcon Heavy flights later this year by an incredible team at SpaceX. Yeah, four Falcon Heavy flights later this year. It's going to be cool. So we're going to have SLS. We're going to have the Artemis 1 launch. We're going to have, hopefully, cross our fingers, we're going to have a Starship launch of some sort by the end of this year. And also four Falcon Heavy flights. If they can get all the boosters back, that would be super cool, man. I would be super pumped about that. I mean, come on. Falcon Heavy? That's probably, I don't know, my second favorite rocket? I don't know. I have a, I have a thing for for Starship, right? Because of course, I moved to Texas for Starship. I basically just like moved my whole life for Starship, and hopefully they're going to be doing a um, a full stack of Starship soon. Uh, they have some uh, road closures coming up that we'll talk about in a minute, and there's some other stuff that's happening uh, at Starbase with the FAA, and that could possibly happen in the next month or two you know spacex still has a lot of work to do um even though you know elon is very he's always and he always is you know you know how he is but he's always wanting spacex to push so hard such a breakneck pace and you know the the fact that we're really close like we're closer than we were last year now I want to know, let me know chat. And I know there's a bunch of you guys here um, who, who probably thought about this before, but what do you think of the FAA when they stopped SpaceX from testing down at Starbase? When they stopped and they, they said, okay, we got to do an environmental review for this thing. And do you think SpaceX was ready with ship 20 and booster four to launch? Do you think they were ready? Because I've, I've heard so many different stories, so many different theories from people about the hardware, about the software, about the people, about the building practices, everything. It's Starbase, and I don't know, to be honest with you, if SpaceX was ready with Booster 4, or yeah, Booster 4 and Ship 20, so 420. And I'm, I am a huge 420 fan. I'm a huge Booster 4, Ship 20 fan, but I don't know if they were ready. You know, did they find something with Raptor 1 that is possible that they, they just were like, okay, well, we got to wait anyway. Raptor 2 is almost ready. Let's just push through to Raptor 2. Is that a possibility? Um, did they find something that wasn't exactly perfect with Booster 4, Ship 20? Well, I don't think we'll ever know. Nobody's ever going to come out and say it uh, from SpaceX themselves. But is it possible that FAA actually kind of did SpaceX a favor here by postponing them so long that they had the opportunity to build Raptor 2s 
and integrate them into uh, the new booster and the new ship. Is that a possibility? So it's, you know, booster four, ship 20 may have rutted on the pad because Elon has said this so many times that Raptor 2 is a better rocket or better engine and uh, more efficient, higher thrust, safer, less complex than Raptor 1. So is there a possibility that Raptor, like the FAA, in some way, in some weird, weird way, kind of helped SpaceX in this whole thing? NC Davis says, I am also a huge 420 fan, but I think they would have gone ahead and launched it if they could. Elon never shies away from failure. I think there's a higher chance of success due to FAA's delays. But Elon was ready to light that candle. Yeah, I, I think he was. I think he was at some point. I think that's a that's the differentiator between SpaceX and other things, you know, um, is that they're willing to take those risks. But how far back would they have pushed development if they would have rutted on the pad? Like, I, I like I know. <laughs> like I, I've been, I've been there. I've seen this thing up close. It is a, it, such a complex mechanism just on the pad itself that if they would have, if they would have rutted on the pad, like it would have taken a month to rebuild, maybe half a year, maybe a year. I don't know, but I think they would have done it. I don't know. I really, I really think they would have done it, but I think the FAA in some way, even though they probably didn't mean to do this, you know, they probably put SpaceX in a better spot by um, by pausing them for a little bit, you know? So we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know. I, I think I think in the future um, we'll get the answer from somebody. Like somebody's going to ask um, Elon if that was actually going to be a thing. And if it was going to be a thing, maybe – you know, maybe we'll, we'll get the answer eventually in the future. Um, sound is too low. Roger M. Really? Okay. I'll have to uh, have to adjust that a little bit, see if I can boost my signal a little bit. There we go. There we go. Let's see. That's as high as I can get it for right now. And I don't want any... Um, I have an air conditioner over here, so I have to keep it a little bit low. The air conditioner is like directly blowing into my microphone, so I have to keep it a little bit lower because my noise gate is picking it up, or my um, thing is uh, picking it up. Uh, Bob Brink says, I'm 100% behind SpaceX, but I, but I like NASCAR, and it would be boring if there were only one car on the track, so I hope another company gets up and going. Bob Brink, I agree with you. I want, I want all the super heavy rockets. You know, I, want, I want Blue Origin. I want ULA to make it super heavy. I want Boeing. Anybody. Who cares? You know, like I want everybody to make a super heavy and I want everybody to be like launching gigantic things into space, you know, giant telescopes. I mean, imagine if we had telescopes, you know, the like the size of a double decker bus, you know, how cool would that be? Like three times the size of Hubble. That would be absolutely incredible. So could you imagine that? I mean, come on. That's what's going to happen in the future. Like, that's a future thing, you know, if people always keep pushing forward. But it takes a ton of money. I don't know why the other big companies didn't think of building a super heavy rocket, other than it would take them billions of dollars to do it. And, you know, stock prices and 
you know, shareholders and things like that. Like who's going to really support a company that's like, oh, by the way, we're making crap tons of money just being part of the Department of Defense. Uh, and also, you know, we, we uh, you know, contract out to NASA and build some parts for other things and we make a bunch of money that way. Or, you know, let's just let's just put a couple billion bucks into a super heavy rocket. Let's see where it goes. You know, we don't have any customers yet. How about that? We don't have any customers yet. You know, we're going to build this giant rocket and then see what happens. And like, that's kind of probably what the uh, shareholders were thinking. It's like, oh, man. And like people at the top, like the top brass, you know, like the people that are the very highest, like CEOs and stuff of these big companies. Like, why would we build a giant super heavy rocket? Like, there's no reason to do it. Plus, they're already contracted for the SLS, you know, most of these companies. Why would they build their own? You know, they're going to have to go out and get other customers. And like, there were no other customers. You know, there's no customers for a super heavy yet um, in that regard. And then SpaceX was like, we're going to build it anyway. And then we're going to launch our Starlinks. And then we don't need customers because Starlink's going to make us tons of money. So they did it a different way. They didn't get the traditional customers where somebody like ULA or, or um, you know, any other company out there would get a traditional customer where... They would have to sell them on a launch. SpaceX is their own, um, their own customer because they have Starlink. And the deck that Elon was talking about the other day, let me see if I can find this for you. He had, um, I got to show you this. Yeah, there we go. Uh, he tweeted this out the other day. Uh, V2 satellite production, Starlink. So this is a super, this is, Starship Super Heavy. This is from his Twitter account, at Elon Musk, if you don't know. So as you can see, you can't probably can't really see that too well, but in this center area here, it's like a Pez dispenser. And it's like when you open up the front of this thing, of the Starship, these things pop out. Look at that. It's like little smiley. It's like, hey, check this out. Look at all my, look at all my, and it just shoots them out like a Pez dispenser. Just drops them down shoots them out drops them down shoots it out and they said they were having complications with that thing and it's super impressive like if this actually works dude like this is pretty freaking sweet like hundreds of satellites and then they fly this thing back they reload it and then they do another launch <laughs> like they they land it i mean the first few will be expendable right the first few will be expendable. So um, this is from a pitch deck or from a deck from a SpaceX all hands meeting uh, from the other day. But like how insane is that just to just to think that like who thought this up? I want to know who the person was that was in this meeting and was like, you know what we could do? Why don't we just make like a little slit in the side of a of the starship? Like because they they had the idea. Uh, let's show you this too. I want to show you this, and we're going to get off on a little little tangent here, but um, I've got to show you this part here, and we'll scroll down a little bit. Starship. Um, it's a flip-top lid right there. So this is how they were going to do it. Right there. They were going to have this little flip-top, and then they were going to shoot satellites out of the top of it. This is from the, from the uh, SpaceX website but it's kind of a small animation. Let's see if I can open image in new tab. Uh, there we go. But look at how it flip top lid. 
you know, like the top of it flips open, then they're like, well, how, do, how would they do that? But also launch hundreds of satellites without them kind of getting stuck on the lid, you know, and what would, how would they, how they do that? And then somebody in a meeting was like, let's just cut a hole in it. And then we can shoot them out. <laughs> what? Who thought about that? Like the satellite Starlink ones, you just kind of like play, you know, like they just go play and they, they just fall out kind of, and then they reposition themselves to the right spot. But like, this would be, that's a great idea, but it's very technical. You know, like how do you keep this thing hinged during launch, during flight? It's absolutely incredible. Um, but how do you do it without ripping the thing apart? It has to be absolutely perfect. So at this point, I think the, the hole in the front, like the little slit that they have is probably the better option because I mean, it seems crazy. Like this seems crazy. Like, look at this thing. It seems absolutely insane, but it also just makes sense in a way. So they're going to have to, so the force of the, the Starlink shooting out the front, they're going to have to kind of propel it um, forward as well as they're doing this, I believe. Because I would assume the force going out the front in some way would kind of push. I don't know. I don't know because that thing's huge. I don't know if it's relative. You know, like I don't know if it would if it would have to push back with some sort of thrust, but I don't think so for the first couple here, for the first flight. I think it's going to be fine. Look at it, see if it works. You know. Booster 7, Raptor 2, they have a, a little undercarriage here of Raptor 2. Elon said that um, just recently they're installing all of the Raptors on uh, the next booster. So Booster 7, so it's going to be 24-7 eventually. Um, we'll be launching, hopefully. Um, but here's a kind of an up-close look at those Raptors underneath Starship, too. Um, yeah, Bob Brink says... Um, I think that SpaceX was close, but not quite ready. So FAA was not totally at fault. Yeah, I think they were, I think they were really close, but I think they were, yeah, I think they weren't quite ready yet. And I was down there during the whole construction phase of 420. So I have all the footage. I have like hundreds of hours of footage that I took on the side of the road of 420. And that's kind of where we're going to go to eventually too, is like, what is the, what's the timeline for this thing? You know, what do they still have to do? Uh, how much time do these, things take how much did they learn from doing 420 and then they're going to take it to 24 7 you know so it's like there there's so many other factors going on is the launch pad ready uh there's still people working on it every day so i don't see them being ready um with the launch pad unless they're they're working up until uh launch and uh you know stage zero but the uh if they're working up to the launch and then they're just going to like cut it off at some point, like they might even already be ready enough, you know, the suppression, uh, the water suppression, we saw a little trickle of that a little bit ago, like about a month ago, but there's no other indicator indicators that there's a launch suppression system, like a sound suppression system set up. That's actually going to be able to handle 33 Raptors. Like that's a lot. So, um, Ancient astronauts said, I think they could have launched 420 given the chance. We knew it probably would have rutted, but, uh, or he knew it would have probably rutted, but he would take that chance. See, I think that's true, but I also think, 
the engineer in him doesn't want to rebuild stage zero, you know, maybe they would do it, you know, since stage zero was kind of a baby at that point, maybe they would do it and be like, yeah, whatever, we'll cut our losses, you know, but the sooner they get to orbit, the sooner they can launch the next Starlinks and then they can start making more money. So that'd be pretty cool. How long do you think it will take for ULA to test PE4 on Vulcan? Adam, um, months once they get them already. I think it'll take months. Uh, they have to do static fires and they have to do um, fit tests, check tests. It looks like everything else. You know, they have to fit test all the engines. Um, they have to do basically all the piping that's um, on a Vulcan and the uh, the BE4 engines. Yeah, Rory's going to get his engines. <laughs> but it could take months, you know. I think it'll take four to six months before they actually get this thing. I'm like, cool, you know. Uh, high risk, high reward, says Blake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I think that's the thing. Maybe it would have been high risk, high reward, or high risk, high rud, you know. Um, it's a pallet machine. Yeah, Adam, it is. Yeah, it's basically a pallet machine. Just clunk, 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 clunk just shoots these things out that's what they said uh in the everyday astronaut video too he was like it's kind of like a pellet machine i think that's what he said but yeah just like kunk 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 yeah just goes down and down and down shoots them out the front it's pretty impressive to be honest with you um any news on phobos and deimos rigs no not yet i've i've heard they're um a few rumblings about them but that's not a not really a um a high priority right now so they're just kind of like sitting around they're still ripping them apart a little bit so they're figuring out what the next steps are and things but i don't think there's really any like high level building going on at this point with those two uh with jeff francis hey man what's up uh yeah so that was pretty much it for starship i think let's take a look at um so the environmental review for Starbase is almost ready. We're so pumped. So end date, 6.13. We have like five days left. It's the 8th right now. 6.13. In progress. Everything is ready. Endangered Species Act, Section 106. The Endangered Species Act, Consultation Number 2. Magnuson-Stevenson. Stevens Fishery Conservation Management Act, Section 305 is done. Everything looks done. And then we have a date of 613, basically so they can like cross the T's and dot the I's and things. So we have a few more extra days left. But this is important too. Section 4F has concluded. Section 4F. And this is from the other page. This is the Environmental Assessment for Starbase. SpaceX, the project is a SpaceX uh, Starship Super Heavy Launch Vehicle Program at the SpaceX Boca Chica Launch Site in Cameron County, Texas. Whew. Um, yeah. So this is a, this is kind of a rundown of what this thing. The completion of the environmental review process does not guarantee that the FAA will list, will issue an experimental permit or vehicle operator license for SpaceX Super Heavy Launches at Boca Chica. SpaceX license application must also meet FAA safety, risk, and financial responsibility requirements per 14 CFR Chapter 3. Um, yeah, so the FAA and SpaceX, they have to come to an agreement after this that they're okay to launch this thing. You know, that it's not a risk, really. 
it's very safe. It's as safe as you can get it and financial responsibility requirements as well. So financial responsibility, meaning do they have enough money to do it? Do they have enough money to continue doing it, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, this environmental review doesn't mean that SpaceX can launch right away. They have to get an FAA launch license and that could literally take months, if not a year, depending on what systems SpaceX has shown them, uh, how much information is out there already when they file, how they file, um, you know, if, if they have to make concessions for this environmental impact study. So the PEA could say, Hey, we're going to give you this, uh, give you the, okay, but you can only do it. If you do these few things could be a list of 15, 20 things could be a list of two or three things. But because nobody knows at this point what it's going to be, but we have a we assume that it's going to pass. So the um, the fact that this goes through could also possibly postpone SpaceX for a couple more months. You know, they could have to do other environmental um, risk management at this point, and that could take them hiring certain people to do that, to do those tasks, whatever they are. And that could take months to find the right people. And also if they do that and then they have to prove it to the FAA again and prove it for the PEA kind of uh, environmental, the programmatic environmental assessment team, and they have to check those off again, if they get those things done, then they can launch, but they also have to get the launch license. So FAA safety risk and financial responsibility requirements per 14 CFR chapter I don't even know what that is. Let's take a look at this. Let me let me give it a little search search ski over here. Oh, this is a long document. <laughs> you just you just saw my <laughs> oh my um yeah. There's a lot there's a lot to it. I can tell. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's gonna be a lot. Oh yeah. So check this out. This is not gonna be. This is like a. This is like, if I have to go to court, I'll read this. <laughs> like one of those things. So, you know, just to make sure definitions, abbreviations, there's all certain, like tons and tons of pages. Page 77, safe, efficient use and preservation of uh, navigable airspace. Destinies of class A, B, C, D, and E airspace areas. Um, yeah, there's, there's all sorts of stuff in here. Um, war risk insurance. What is that? That's crazy. I didn't know that. That's a thing. I guess that makes sense. Um, but yeah, there's there's all sorts of other um, things they have to do, requirements that they have to do, and it could take it could take months, more months than where they're at now. So it's a possibility SpaceX doesn't launch till later this year, till December maybe. I mean, I, I'm a huge, huge fan of Starship. I mean, I, I moved my whole life down there just to see Starship a bunch. So uh, like as much of a fan as anybody else is, I'm just as much of a fan. So I know that these things take a lot of time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Jeff, what? Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that, Jeff. I didn't get to go to Starbase. Wasn't feeling well. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry, man. That sucks. Hopefully you'll get down there again because... Uh, I hope you hope you get to see that beautiful, beautiful area and get to see some of the cool people that are down there. That place is kind of magical and I miss it. I really do. Like 
I'm back up here in the Northeast and I love this place so much, but I also really do miss, even though like, I kind of like, I was like, okay, that's a chapter in my life that I have to close. I'm like, but I really do freaking miss it, man. And it's like, I'll be like hard on my sleeve. It was one of the most, like, one of the coolest experiences I ever got to do. And I couldn't have done it without everybody else. So Jeff, if you get a chance, I really hope you get down there and like, just, just enjoy it. Like, that's going to be so fun. I'm sorry that you felt, uh, you weren't feeling too well though, man. That sucks. Hopefully you're feeling better now, but you know, you'll get back down there. There's plenty of time. You'll get, you'll do it. You got this. Um, Adam says, oh, Plastic Mug says 54 star lengths per starship launch is not a lot. We'll need a lot of launches. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot, does it? 54 seems like, you know, I don't know. It's it's a lot, but it, it also seems like Starship should be able to handle a bunch more. It seems like that, but apparently not. You know, it's like 50, 55, 56, whatever, what, somewhere in that area altogether. They can probably squeeze some more in there eventually, but I think the first one's going to be like, you know, mid fifties to sixties. Hopefully before I have to go back to get radiation. Yeah, man, that's, it's a, it's a tough one. And the, the thing is about Starbase is that it's like, it's really rugged, man. Like you gotta be really sort of like mentally, mentally ready for it. And I, when I went down there, I wasn't mentally ready for it. I was mentally ready to like go on this crazy adventure, this life adventure. But also, um, like, you have to be mentally prepared to go to actual Starbase. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to be alone on this road for, like, 30 minutes. Nothing around you. And, you know, just be like, it's such a beautiful drive, though. It's so cool. And you get to um, you get to just, like, enjoy the, enjoy the area and enjoy just, like, it's very just sparse. There's nothing there. And it's really brown. Like, so these are the things that I took away from living in Brownsville near Starbase. Uh, just because this is <laughs> because you brought it up, Jeff. Um, so these are some of the things that I, I took away from living in Brownsville and the Starbase area. I loved my apartment. It was really cool. Nice, big place. Um, you know, and I had enough room for another studio there. Um, I didn't have like a living room, but I converted the living room area into a studio, which was really cool. And I did a lot of shows from there, a lot of live shows, a lot of, uh, kind of like editing shows and things like that of, of starship stuff. So, uh, my typical day down there was wake up in the morning, go grab some breakfast, um, go to Starbase, film for an hour or two. So by that time, it's like, let's just say 11. 11 o'clock, I'm done. Come back home, start loading my footage onto my hard drive because my computer at that time was junk. And I had to just, I had to transfer everything from my, from this little drive right here, this little SSD, um, which goes into my camera. Um, I had to transfer that into my, into my computer. And by then it's about an hour later because there's so much footage and, um, so then I would start editing at about noon and then by about three o'clock, I'd be done with like a, a rough cut. And then by four o'clock, I'd be done with like a final cut. And then about five o'clock, either publish it or uh, wait till the next morning to publish it, depending on what the schedule was. And then between five and, you know, 10 o'clock at night, I'm like doing all the other stuff. 
So I didn't really have a time to get a life when I was down there, which was really unfortunate. But I get I did get to see some cool stuff. And the area is really um, it's really stark. It, it's a it's beautiful, but it's like stark, rugged, beautiful. It's it's very flat, like super, super flat. I think I got a My uh, my builder guys coming over to take a look at the bathroom. So might have to see if that's him. Might be my brother too. Stop by, but um, the my dog's barking downstairs. That's why. Um, but just just be mentally prepared is all I'm saying before you go down there, because there's like it's not a lot. It's really hot too, <laughs> by the way. Um, so James says V2 Starlinks are much bigger than current versions. Yeah, and that's the that's like it's they're better, but they're bigger, but they're better. So it's going to be a really interesting uh, dynamic when they start shoving them into a starship. It's going to be so cool when we actually get to see that. And since they're doing all the all the testing now, they have to send that back to the to the bay, and then put the Starlink satellites in there, and then bring it back out to the pad. You know, but they also have to do a stack test, so they have to stack starship on top of the booster as well. So you know, when they get to the point where, you know, we can think, we can even think about getting close to a launch, it's going to look like this again at some point. Then they're going to have to do cryo tests on the booster and on the ship together, pressure tests possibly on both, maybe a static fire on the booster at this time when they do the fit test. Possibly not. They might possibly take them apart again and then do another static fire on the booster, maybe another static fire on the ship, just to make every make sure everything works after they've been stacked. Because who knows what gets jostled around when they stack them. I mean, they're not going to stack this thing and not test it. Because, I mean, if they have the chance to static fire uh, booster, they will. I think they will. Um, but it's going to be it's going to be a pretty long journey i think for starship to launch and it might not even be by the end of this year you know like i was saying before the environmental assessment doesn't mean they're going to launch right away and and unfortunately i wish it were the case i wish the environmental assessment says go but they don't they they say okay the environment looks cool and you're ready to go as far as the environment stuff goes but you might have to make these concessions so it's possible spacex doesn't even get to launch until maybe later this year i mean it might be it might be a thing so i think i'm gonna make a whole video about that because i mean at the end of a podcast some people probably won't even get to see this part so i'm probably gonna make a regular video about that so everyone can kind of chime in and stuff i think that might be kind of cool um adam says bring all you need for sure not just hot is very humid plus no shade sunscreen a must yeah exactly bring a big hat that's one of the things that I tell everybody before I go before I, uh, they go down there. They ask me for information or like, you know, I get a lot of DMs on Twitter like, hey, I'm going to be at Starbase. What should I do? And then I say, bring a big hat. Like these are the necessities. Maybe I'll make a video about that. That might be a good idea. Here's the here are some things you need to bring. You need to bring a water bottle like this big of water. By the way, Wegmans love Wegmans. Love that I'm back here to, to have Wegmans again, but a big old water bottle like bring water with you um but yeah there's there's so many things that you don't really understand before you get down there you know and i don't want people getting hurt either you know like by the by the end of the time you're down there like you're drained 
but the beach is beautiful. So if you're getting hot, just jump in the jump in the Gulf. You know, <laughs> like if you think if you feel like you're overheating, just jump in the Gulf for real. It's nice and cool. It's it's super chill. You know, just drive down to the end of the street, jump in the Gulf, and be like, oh, thank God, this is nice. And then get in your car and leave. You know, get in your get in your air conditioned car and take off. <laughs> it's very cool. Um, Rito, how you doing, man? How you doing? Bring big fishing hat for sure. Yeah, I got a big. It's in my car. I still have it in my in my car. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a thing about that too. Like what should you bring to Starbase and know where to park? Yeah, Adam, that, that's another thing. People ask me all the time on Twitter, like DM me and they say, uh, I'm going to Starbase. Where should I park? And I say, okay, how do I explain this? So I might just make a video that explains everything. And, um, you know, so, so I can just be like, watch the video. <laughs> uh, uh, a gallon of water costs less than a dollar at the grocery store. Yeah, exactly. Bring a bag of ice too. You know, if you can get a cooler, um, bring a bag of ice and uh, some, you know, bring some snacks and stuff. It's always good. I always brought uh, like things like this. I have this from a hike earlier. Um, I brought this out for a hike, like one of these little granola bars, Nature's Bakery fig bars. Yeah, I have, it's just like a little bit of sugar, you know, just a little snack. Because if you're out there for two or three hours, the sun beats you up like you are done you're done so um yeah bring water bring snacks bring a um, lot of sunscreen so maybe that's a good idea maybe i'll make a, a video about that and where to park too what's up andy how you doing uh marina says i'm safe thank you very cool very good tom tomas says mr elon is the best yeah he's smart he's a smart smart dude uh, what's in for artemis is going to the moon it seems the lunar starship has been chosen first to return to the moon um well artemis is gonna go around the moon first and then i think i don't know if and elon has said this in the past but um spacex is gonna try to beat uh, nasa to the moon he said well if if we can we will you know so there's a possibility that they do that i think that would be absolutely incredible if they just go like you know what nasa we're not gonna wait for you we're gonna do our own thing and then we'll see and they do have to they have to actually land a starship on the moon before they do the artemis program with the starship because they have to test it because they can't really put a, a bunch of people even a few people in a crewed starship before they land an uncrewed starship on the moon so they're going to have to test it before they actually have people in that thing so um so we'll see you know we'll see what happens with that in the future and there's so many other things that they need to do in order to get to that point and like where we're at now with the starship this is just the beginning so the mid 2020s you know we're mid yeah mid 2020s we're hoping to get some starships uh on the moon and get some people on the moon hopefully soon too that'd be freaking sweet uh roland says i have no doubt spacex can be to do that first i yeah i agree with you 100 percent like SpaceX kid. Um, a bit off topic, but did you see the WWDC this year? I did. Um, and I think it's pretty cool. Everything that happened there looks pretty cool. Tech is good. I enjoy tech stuff. So if you're, um, if you're into tech stuff, that was pretty fun. I got to check this again. It looks like my stream has, has uh, paused. Maybe not. No, there we go. But it'll just look like I had a little hiccup there. 
So thanks for sticking with me. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's uh, this this is the summer of space flight possibly. This could be a huge huge summer of space flight. So yeah, it's gonna be pretty sweet, man. I'm I'm pretty stoked. We have um, Artemis one. We have Starship. We have Falcon Heavy. We have a bunch of uh, Falcon launches. ULA launch. There's all sorts of launches going on. So just this might be the the summer of super heavy. Maybe let's let's hashtag summer of super heavy. Let's do it. <laughs> I just made a thing. <laughs> super heavy summer. <laughs> I'll tweet it first so I can get the uh, so I can get the thing. Super heavy summer. Super heavy summer. At Artemis. NASA Artemis at SpaceX. There we go. There, I tweeted it. That's mine. <laughs> I did it. Hashtag super happy summer. <laughs> so um, thanks, everybody, for watching. I got to take off. I appreciate everybody here. Thank you so much. Jeff, thank you so much for the super chat. That just came out of nowhere. Get good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you so much. You're going to get some starships for that. So thank you. Um, let's see here. We've got to get you some starships. There we go. There we go. We'll turn those on. Bow. There you go. Thank you. That was that's awesome. What a way to end the show. So if you are a fan of space flight, if you're a, if you're a fan of Space News Pod, if you're a fan of me, anything, if you want to become a member of the show, that helps us out tremendously because it's every month. It helps us uh, continue doing the show and also helps fund me going to rocket launches and filming in the future. Um, I filmed Starship for nine months, nine, 10 months, something like that. And I'm ready for more launches. So when Artemis does a launch, I'll be at NASA. I'll be nearby for this moon rocket launch. So if you want to become a member of the show, greatly appreciate it. Just hit the, uh, the money button, whatever. Show your support for Space News Pod at the bottom of the chat and you can become a member. You can also, there's a button for a member apparently. I don't know how what that looks like on in uh, mobile, but it seems to me like that's the way to go. Like that's the best way to do this as far as YouTube goes, because sometimes, you know, you can't really uh, don't get any ad revenue basically for something that gets like 5,000 views. So all the money that goes into this channel basically goes towards all the rocket launches in the future and all the filming in the future and things like that. Luckily, I have a decent job now where I can pay the bills for myself. And like, I put a little bit of money away for the channel, but I do, I do rely on other people to help out. It's like NPR, basically they have advertising money, but they also rely on other people and the support of viewers like you. <laughs> so thank you for everybody who's a member of the show. We have some members. Here we go. Jeff, thank you so much again for the super chat. We also have NC Davis with the super chat. I like the get good though. I like that one. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's funny. Um, super heavy summer is the exact opposite of beach bod summer. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. Ooh, or hot nozzle summer was last year, I think, or was that the year before? Can't remember which one it was, or maybe it's every summer. I don't know. Uh, but it's funny regardless. Uh, quick question. If you look around the SN24 panels, you can see there are five sections where panels are missing. I do see welding lines on the section where the panels are missing, but I wonder. Ooh, okay. I have not checked into that. I've seen a couple streamers and um, 
I haven't really noticed, to be honest with you, SN24's panels. Hmm. I'll look into that. I'll look into that. That's, that's interesting. I want to see what that is. Thanks for the heads up, Roland. Appreciate that. But I must be off, my friends. This is how you do it. This is how you do it. You thank the people that are helping you. David Littlejohn, William Contino, Gary Cunningham, Deborah Hall, NC Davis, Jeff Francis, everybody who's liked the video today. Can we get two more likes, please, by the way? So we can make it an even number. Oh, we're at 69 likes. I was going to say an even number of 70 or 69. Gunther, Stefan, Megair, Sam Christ, Jack Savage, Money Flex Life, Neil Thorne, Dave Stetzel, David Perucci, David Littlejohn, William Contino again. Stream ending. <laughs> Got to hit that button. All right. Thanks, guys. I really do appreciate it. More live streams coming up in the future, so make sure to subscribe. And we're at 71 likes. Thanks, everybody, for all of your support throughout this crazy three-and-a-half-year-long journey of the Space News Pod. We're almost getting 100,000 subscribers. We're getting there, 88,000 right now. Thank you. Love you all. Take care of yourselves and each other.